Welcome back, everyone. It is Wednesday, September 25th, and I just got back from a mule deer hunt. I have my partner in crime, Frank, across the table from me, who Yo. came in and helped me pack out and save me because I really don't want to carry that much weight. Thank you for that, Frank. <laughs> yeah. What? Hello. <laughs> but uh, this podcast, we're going to just go into my uh, second trip into the high country. Um kind of a unique situation i'd never hunted that late up high so it was one of those um i guess experimental things to see what was left up there with it being as cold as it was and the vegetation dying um you know them obviously rubbing their velvet off as well as the pressure of muzzleloader season i came in right when muzzleloader season was ending it was a bit of an unknown what was going to happen and um i ended up getting a deer but it sucked uh in fact I guess I went in Saturday, and uh, you were going to come in Monday, and I messaged you Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> and said, Frank, I can't find any deer. Don't don't come. I'll let you know if I find anything Monday morning, and I didn't find shit. I found a fork and horn and a doe, uh, and I think I, I, I messaged you that, didn't I? Yeah. And I found two forks and three does, mm-hmm. and then what probably few hours later i sent you a photo of those uh bucks coming up over the hill and then uh it sent you that and uh went on that stock but i i went in saturday and uh glassed my ass off and and was looking for the the bigger there's two bigger bucks i was looking for a big three by four and a big wide buck uh and i'd missed one of those earlier in the season um frank and i had just gotten back from a mountain goat hunt so i loaded up six days uh, of gear and um headed in you know solo with the idea frank was going to come give me a hand if needed and i mean what was your what were your thoughts frank what were you think i was going to see up there because it was unknown for you too you never went up quite that late um yeah that, i figured it'd be something like what happened i'd actually uh two or three seasons ago um i went up with uh yeti dave to a close by unit he had a a deer he'd drawn a deer tag but he didn't have a chance to um to hunt that deer tag because he had been focusing on elk the whole season and i think he'd actually he killed an elk that second week of season or maybe mid mid second or early third week of season and uh we decided we'd give it a, a go the last i guess it was around that last week of season which this is last week now right yeah and we um we went to a spot that i kind of had hunted early season for archery and we just we didn't it was the same thing you know a lot of the bigger bucks had dropped into the timber we weren't seeing much and and a lot of the um there were a lot of younger bucks kind of grouped up still but uh they were kind of just hanging right on the edge of the timber in the in the uh i guess the tree line um so yeah and then um a couple i guess it would be another two years ago when i got altitude sickness i had, i wasn't able to hunt until the end of the second week which was right in muzzleloader season and same deal a lot of the bucks they had been seeing um the first part of the season they had, they had disappeared into the timber and only a handful of bucks were hanging out so we kind of figured it would be some tough going but um you know you put in a lot of work up there in that that particular spot and kind of wanted to go back and see what you can get done so um yeah i figured it'd be tough yeah it sucked but um when i got up there there was 14 horses coming out with four to six muzzleloader hunters. I couldn't tell who all had guns that I could see from my glassing point, so I wasn't overly optimistic about that. Um, 
you know, and I just glassed. I, and I did an Instagram story on this whole thing, which people probably get tired of seeing my face saying I can't find deer. But I, um, you know, I, I, you know, we, I guess some of this will be about tactics. People ask, how long do you glass for? Uh, I'm not speaking for Frank, but fuck you glass until you find a deer. Whether that's six, eight, ten hours, twelve hours, you stay behind the spotter and optics until you find one. So there's no set destinate time that we glass a day. It's not like we say, all right, today we're glassing four hours. You glass until you find a deer. Now you may reposition the glass for a different angle, but you, I mean, you just don't come off the glass. And so, you know, what I was doing is I was glassing one area three to four hours. I would move, you know, anywhere between 400 yards to a mile. And then I would glass another area. Eventually I actually picked up camp went in even farther, another two to four miles, whatever it was, and then glassed there. And I, I was just trying to find a buck that was, a, you know, just a four-point, basically, buck, and or, or a bigger buck, you know. But, I mean, I was, you know, I could have, you know, I got a lot of questions about, you know, could you, um, couldn't you just shoot one like that down by the road? And definitely, I mean, you definitely could do that, but that's not what I wanted to do. I really like backpack hunting and I like the adventure being back there. So, you know, it's not just about, I mean, it is about, you know, you're a hunter, you're shooting an animal or whatever, but I mean, it's also, you know, I like to enjoy what I'm doing and backpack hunting is pretty kick-ass. And I knew Frank, you know, was going to come in if I needed him, you know, for help. There's a bunch of deer in there and obviously he came in to help pack out. And, you know, I just kept, grinding away basically you know i hiked all over hills half acre um hiked were people uh were people saying it was too small of a deer or something no nobody nobody said uh although it was a small deer i mean nobody said anything like that uh but a couple guys had just said dude it would have been easier to just shoot one by the road and uh <laughs> which is true i mean totally true and it and it's not that big of a deer but i gotta say that um you know no no bullshit uh that deer means more to me, I think, than damn near any other deer I've shot just because, not because of the size, because it's a little fucker, but the, the effort we put into that deer was pretty astronomical. I mean, what, you spent four days behind the spotter watching me blow out deer earlier, or five days. Um, you know, and, and I'm not, uh, it wouldn't have mattered, guys were like, would have mattered if you had a compound? Well, it wouldn't matter if I had a fucking heat-seeking tomahawk there was no deer <laughs> up high right like i shot one of the only deer i found which was it was super cool to be able to find those bucks one of the some of the very few bucks i found and sneak in on them and make a you know what ended up being i i, I ranged it when i got nine yards shot well, I, I couldn't actually range it it was closer than the range finder but it was nine yards but i'll go into the stock in a in a minute but um yeah it was just one of those deals where i just thought you know if i can just stay back here and find something you know, and at least get a stock or two in, you know, I had gotten my money's worth out of the hunt. I missed the bigger buck. I just posted a photo of it at like 12 yards earlier when we were first in there, which was a heartbreaker. That was one of the bucks I was after. I guess with you, I was in three different times within. That was your target buck. Yeah, my target. I don't think I'm supposed to say that. Lander gets mad. <laughs> um, with you, I probably, well, three or four times was sub 20 sub 30 yards from big deer i mean it just didn't pan out and i had shots at dip deer way bigger than the one i killed in fact that four point that he was probably what 12 yards from me yeah 14 frank filmed all that you know for an instant story update you know it, it was one of those deals where 
I did have some guys say, you know, don't pass up something the first day you'd shoot on the last, which I'm a pretty firm believer in. But when you're in that many big deer, it, it is hard to shoot a smaller deer. I've got a pile of 140 to 165, 170 deer. Um, and I really just kind of got to a point. I'm like, there's this many deer back here. We might as well try and kill a, a big one. And we almost did. I mean, I... Um, when I was by myself, well, Justin was back there, big man. Uh, when I when he kind of flagged me in when I was on that when I missed the one, and then with you, I mean, we were in big deer every day. Yeah. Um, you know, it just got to a point where the one stock earlier in the season we had a three by four, I guess, come left, and he was maybe twelve yards, and then that four by four, well, he's probably more like sixteen. That four by four came to the right and uh, had shot at a cow and a calf and multiple different you know, bucks. And actually the buck I passed up the first day that bedded below me was even bigger than the one I'd killed. But man, I got my money's worth out of that fucking hunt. You can say that because you get, I got everything out of it you could ask for in a hunt. I got my ass kicked. I was on big deer. I missed a big deer, which is not really what you ask for on a hunt, but <laughs> you, I got everything. Um, and then you were back, back there with me total for what, seven days? Yeah, I think, uh, it wasn't necessarily the problem, but the problem was that we just had, um, we didn't have unlimited time for the first part of the season because of the goat hunt, which you, know, it's, you can't just not go on the goat hunt. But um, I think, yeah, you know, the, the earlier you can hunt deer, then I think the better, the better your odds are just because of the, the numbers and then the size, of course. But yeah, it was, it was cool, man. We had a, we had a good time just lots of lots of different opportunities lots of different bucks and then it's just it's just how it goes with archery just the numbers start dropping the the deer start disappearing into the timber for a while until until later in the season yeah and i you know a lot of the questions i i'd gotten too was for guys that were going to try and go back out to, in my you know opinion or my hypothesis is if there's still vegetation up high and they're not too pressured they're still going to stay up fairly high but there is a lot of pressure in the high country during muzzleloader season, not just for deer, but elk. Elk are up there too. So, you know, inevitably, um, you know, they're going to get blown out. They're going to run away. They're going to hide. They're a different animal when they lose velvet and uh, when they lose their velvet. And so, you know, I just went back there with the idea of, you know what, I'm not at work. I'm, I'm back, you know, I'm backpack hunting and make the best of it. And, uh, I tell you what, I thought I was not going to get a deer. Uh, <laughs> it was looking bleak. In fact, I messaged you and said, hey, brother, if I don't find anything by Wednesday, I'm coming out and we'll go scout for goats because I, I just can't find any deer. And I did see some elk that actually through the night moved up and over the mountain ranges. I didn't want to you know, chase after. I was already too far in to, to kill an elk. Um, so I guess thinking about this three days on the third day in there um and i had like i said i'd done an instagram story kind of giving updates i spotted those deer and it's probably about a mile in the wrong direction or the right direction depending on how you look at it uh to get to these deer you have to go up and over um a mountain range drop down so what i had done my camp was farther in what you know as far in as i wanted to be and i loaded up my pack and thought okay I'm going to work my way back, drop my big pack off, climb this freaking mountain one more time. You know, I just took the Bane pack with me and, and necessities, went up and over the top, went on the stock. If I blew these deer out, I was going to hunt my way back and then 
walk up and down, you know, the logging road or drive up and down the roads and just look for a deer on my way home, you know, and either come home Tuesday or Wednesday. And I thought uh, the bucks, when I was glassing them, I wasn't in the good spot. So I lost them coming down, which, you know, I'm talking like you guys know what I'm talking about. Frank understands the, the topography is they fed down. I lost them, but I had went on a stock the day before actually on the only halfway decent buck I found and I got in there and I couldn't find the deer and I thought man I don't want to blow this buck out and actually came out all the way out of there without even seeing a buck I figured it was safer to pull out of there it's always safer to pull out um pull out of there <laughs> what's that mean and then I, I looped back to camp and I saw him in their feet and I thought well maybe I'll find him in there tomorrow which is why I was glassing where I was glassing when I saw the other buck so I knew the area well enough. I knew how to make the approach and I had a pretty good idea from process of elimination where they'd be. So I left my big pack. I pulled my sleeping pad out, put it on top of my big pack so I, so I could find it. I, in the bane, I just took um, GPS, toilet paper, headlamp, some fire starter, kill kit, and uh, stocking socks in Copenhagen and a protein bar and a that adapted, I, that's what I had. I had the Biltong and from Boinkies, an adapted fats deal. What the hell? What is it? It's just uh, jerky. It's un, unprocessed. It's like a hang dry Biltong is like hang dry jerky. Yeah. Yeah. That shit is the Tastes bomb. good, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I love that stuff. But I had the adapted fats little packet, a, a uh, on it protein bar in the Biltong. And I thought, well, I can fucking make it through anything on this. It did start to snow, so I did get shit on. With so, all of that, you could conquer anything that you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on this hunt, and we'll go over gear here in a minute because I had a lot of questions on that, but this this hunt south with stalker stick bows made me a custom bow, and he probably said there was lucky, so he must have rubbed his junk on it. The day before— and Your I, hands started itching. I did. They did. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but I had eaten shit bad and I thought I cracked the limb, like the glass in it. I hit the ground so hard. I took some photos and sent them to South and he said, no, you're good. And, and the, the glass wasn't cracked. I could tell that, but I was worried it was at first. And so I had that, uh, a stalker stick bow. Um, and it was one of those deals where, you know, there was some good luck involved in that because South made it and he's a mule deer killing machine. So it was its virgin test run out. Um, so went up and over the hill and when I, when I got, you know, it's, it's steep. So I can't go to socks too early because the terrain, it's almost, to me, there's a point when you drop down to socks, that is just stupid. And then there's a point you're too close to go to socks because you pass the point of no return where you're making noise, putting your socks on. There's like a happy medium and guys ask this question and I don't know if they ask you frank but when do you put your socks on and there's no set rule like if it's windy as shit i may not even put socks on if it sticks everywhere i may put them 75 on 75 yards out 100 yards out if it's really grassy they may not go on or may they, i might be 50 from the deer 40 um you know it just it just depends and i mean i don't i mean with i'm, I'm guessing it's same with with you i mean i don't what do you think yeah it just depends on the um on the circumstance but i think something that people probably don't even really practice very much is just trying to walk try just just try walking quietly in your boots mm -hmm. like i walked uh, i didn't mean to do this but i walked up to my deer the group of deer at 20 yards this year in my boots it was just a slight wind and i was planning on getting to this boulder taking my boots off and then making my approach but i ended up 
I ended up walking right up to him because I kind of misjudged the uh, the boulder. I thought it was a different boulder, and it ended up being the boulder they were by, and walked right up to him. So I think um, one thing you can practice, if you you know, you can't necessarily always practice stalking, but just walk and try to walk quietly in your boots if you can. If you if you're not quite sure when you want to take your boots off, see if you. I mean, if you if you can hear yourself decently loudly, then you're probably too loud, but. People think you can't walk quietly in stiff boots. Well, you can. You just got to take your time and stuff. I mean, we walked up to that goat. The the goat was walking to it, to us on this last hunt, and freaking guide has, had his plastic boots on, and he was like, <laughs> and ended up at 40 yards, so it can be done. Well, I think you brought up good points is when you, you know, when I'm not very good at still hunting, but if I know an animal's there, you know, it can take like forever for me to go 20 yards. Like when you take one step every 10 seconds, it's pretty freaking quiet. You take 10 steps in one second, it's pretty fucking loud. So, you know, for me, I just crept down through there and to go the 100 yards or maybe 75, I went down, probably took me 20 minutes, maybe from the top of that, where that bump is, you know, somewhere, something like that. And I would use, you know, I kind of picked my corners, you know, I would, okay, there's a high possibility that a deer is going to be over in this area. I can see these other areas. And I would pivot to my left or right to get trees and cover in front of me while I was moving. So not only because you get tunnel vision and, I mean, like deer laying everywhere and eyeballs. And so I try to, like, by process of elimination, if I didn't know where they are, I'm just pivoting around, keeping cover in front of me. I did that. I got to a point of no return where I'm like, okay, the deer have got to be below me. I have not seen them, but I'm going to drop down to socks now. So I took off the the bane and I threw my boots in there because I was like, okay, I think they're down here, but Christ, I could end up all the way down to that plateau at the bottom and they could be bedded on that. So I put the boots in there, got my socks on and just started to creep. And within 15 yards, I was within 30 of all of them. And well, I thought all of them, one of them I missed and it was right beside me when I drew my bow back. But so looking at them, I thought, okay, I started picking my battles kind of of where can I get in and get a shot on these deer. I could see five of them. I could see the one I wanted to shoot. So I actually kind of backed up and went to the right 20, 30 yards and then made my approach. There was a big log. They were bedded below and I, I got to about Oh, because I had to back up and move over. I probably got 15 yards from the log, and I did drop the bane right there because I, I low crawled for the last 10 to the log or whatever. I got to that log, and all the deer were sub 20. And the one I shot, I shot the one I shot, I shot, you know, instinctively. I didn't range everything, I didn't have time, but I was like, man, this thing's, it was nine yards. I actually ended up pacing it off when I came back, and it was nine yards. So, I get to the log and I can see horns everywhere and I'm like, shit, I think they're all facing away. They were either like long ways bedded from me or broadside facing downhill. So I got up to my knee, everything was clear. I got my foot on the log to get up above the grass and holy shit, I hit full draw and there was a buck, a body length and a half, two body lengths to my right laying by a log that stood up and I about <laughs> shit my pants. Cause like right when I hit the clicker, he stood up or right before and it was too late when he stood, I fired the arrow and I, I hit the buck and I was pretty ecstatic because it looked like a pinwheel shot. 
And I usually go right after deer because I have no patience when I think it's a good shot. But this time I'm like, okay, calm the fuck down, take a breather. I put a big old dip in and then I messaged you and Amy and I said, hey, I hit a buck. I can't, what did, what did I say to you? You said I shot a buck. I'm going to get him now. Going to look for him? Yeah. And Luke was here because Luke's like, come call, come call for me tonight. I'm like, man, you must be getting desperate if you're call, asking me to call for Elk because I suck at it. But um, yeah, he's like, if, if, uh, let me know how Aaron does. And I'm like, yeah, if he, he got, I'm sure he got it. So I, I, I went home and started packing up my stuff to head down that way. Well, yeah. And, and uh, I, you know, what was crazy with this deer is um, when I hit it, you know, there was deer flying out of their beds everywhere, all within 15 yards of me. So it was pretty chaos. And I could see my fletch and about four inches of arrow sticking out of the buck. And I'm like, Jesus, that looks pinwheel. Well, as that deer looked goofy running off and I'm like, huh. So I waited. And so anyway, I got my ribbon out and, uh, I, I didn't have that much blood and I'm like, huh? Well, I had, it was a relatively steep angle. So I had, you know, high onside lung scapula and then, which Frank and whoever watched the Insta story, it looked like a 300 rum hit the offside shoulder. It, so this is what's crazy. So I'm shooting a Black Eagle Vintage, uh, and it's 585 grains or something, 250 up front. So not a ton of FOC, but decent. And a stalker that's right at 60 pounds, it blew through the scapula on the onside out and blew the leg apart just below the socket on the offside. So when I was tracking it, I was trying to figure out what the hell I was looking at. It was his face. He couldn't run downhill on three legs. He kept tripping and he was face planting. So I kept seeing in the dirt where he was running like this wide, like if you took your boot and went straight down, well, that was his face, but it wasn't bleeding that much. So I was going real slow. I thought I heard grass pile up down below me. But then when I went about 10 yards forward, there was a doe walking around and making to the grass. And it was in that cattail crap or whatever Mm -hmm. that is. And I, that yellow stuff we were looking at, and I'm like, "What the fuck? That's not him." And uh, I, I, I made real sure I was on the blood trail, and I could see without even looking at blood the direction he went, just because of how effed up the dirt was. And so I, I followed that, and I went another 15 yards, and there he was, piled up down like 50 from me. So he only went maybe a hundred yards, but that death run, I mean, they can go 50, a hundred yards in two seconds. I mean, they're hauling butt, so. I ended up, um, it's pretty crazy that, um, you know, the, the devastation that that broadhead did, it was still inside of him about eight inches of the arrow, you know, the offside or onside shoulder broke it and the broadhead was in him and that exit hole was, it just poked out the hide on the other side, barely. That's why it wasn't bleeding. It was stuck in the cavity, but it just kept slicing him up when he was running. Probably. Oh, I had to, cause I, yeah, it was pretty- you saw it. I, that's the most devastation I've ever seen from one, 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 one arrow going through. I mean, and the fact it blew the leg in half on the offside shoulder is pretty freaking amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that shoot lighter arrows, and I'm not saying a lighter arrow wouldn't have gone through, but, you know, I shot it in the scapula on the onside. That was the best angle I had from where I was and broke the offside out of a, you know, a stick bow with... 170 some feet per second it's pretty amazing with how the lethality of a of a stick bow yeah we were uh 
we were in Alaska. We were on the day the day before the hunt. We were watching the hunting channel, and there was a lot of like whitetail hunting, and you could tell like all these arrows were pretty lightweight because they were shooting these. Like there was a guy shooting, shot a couple of does with his bow, and like you got like five inches of penetration maybe on a lot of these shots. And I'm like, dang man, it's crazy what, what the difference of a heavy arrow compared to a light arrow. Not even necessarily the poundage of your bow, but the just the weight the of a heavy arrow. That, momentum i guess you would say or the amount of pen- penetration you get out of that is freaking unreal yeah it was pretty wild so so yeah i got down to it and i actually sent you an inreach message and amy and uh randy cooling and rob patuto and uh because i'd been keeping contact with all you guys and then i i learned if i walked up about 10 yards and 15 over i had lte <laughs> so i after, once i messaged you i went over there and i i called you and i said all right dude i said i'm gonna um debone this thing hang it up and i'm gonna hike up empty my pack come back up and over and then what probably i cut it all up about 45 minutes an hour later i called in was like i'm gonna man up and just carry this fucker over my shoulder so i put about 45 pounds in the bane pack and then uh may i had another 15 in my one hand and just kind of hoofed it up the mountain taking my time got up and over to my big pack and uh it was it was kind of funny because I called Randy and bullshitted with him. And the long story short here is I took way longer than I should have. I got that meat in the pack, so I don't know what 110 maybe total weight. I don't know what it was, but uh, as a guess, you know, over 100, but not by a ton. I got down to the water, filled my that hydro pack bladder, which I'll go over the gear in a minute because I had a ton of questions on that. And it started fucking snowing. And I'm like, and I didn't bring rain gear because it wasn't supposed to snow because I wasn't too worried about it as far as rain gear. I can build a fire. And, and I had a, a pretty waterproof jacket with me. And so I started hoofing it up those zigzags and I could not find a flat spot. What did I probably go? I go probably half mile. Yeah, it's a good little distance. Yeah. There. Yeah. Somewhere between half mile and a mile. And I found flat ground and uh, set up the tent and, uh, made some macaroni and cheese, got in there, tried to stay warm and, uh, you know, kind of went through my gear. I hung up the, the meat obviously. And then, uh, later on I built a five foot white man fire out of every piece of wood I could find and got as warm as I possibly could and jumped in the fart sack. And you were there the next morning at bright and early. So at six thirty seven. Yeah. Right. When the sun was coming up. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, to answer some of the questions on, on gear, uh, the bow, it was, I can't talk about the broadhead. It's a prototype, obviously devastating. Um, Black Eagle vintage uh, arrows, they're about 30 inches long. I'm shooting a 50-grain brass insert and a 200-grain point. I'm shooting four four-fletch AAE trad veins, even though it's not trad. I also have a clicker on, which is not trad. Uh, I was shooting a Stalker 62-inch Wolverine at uh, – about 60 pounds at my draw, 59 right in there. Um, people asked about the tent. Um, it's a Hilleberg Nyack, and I had a few guys message me. They surprised I didn't go floorless. One, I've been using Hilleberg, which we get along great with Hilleberg. Patrick's has been friends with Petra and Bo, the owner of Hilleberg, for longer than Frank's been alive, and I was in freaking hadn't hit puberty yet, right? So we use a floorless shelter when there is wood to burn and we can get heat. When we're up that high, I generally, and it's that cold, it snowed, it got down to like 24, 26, my water bottle froze. I'm gonna use a, a Hilleberg. I, I'm a firm believer in Hilleberg, even though obviously Frank and I work for Kafaru, I run Kafaru, but 
I'm not going to run something, you know, unless it's it works well. Now, if you drop 500 feet in elevation, totally a sawtooth with a stove would have been money. But I was I could barely find enough wood to build a fire to keep dry for 20 minutes to dry off, let alone keep a stove burning. So when it's hot in the summer, we run a tarp. Um, you know, when we're up super high like that, we run a Hilleberg. When it's later in the season, we, we'll run a teepee or sawtooth with a stove. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, I mean, you got to use what's applicable. And uh, I was a Hilleberg Nyack, and then I had a 20-degree slick bag. The water bladder I was using was a hydro pack. Um, I've had really good luck with those. You got one too, didn't you? Yeah, I was just uh, not necessarily in Colorado, but other places I've hunted, I was bring an algae and wish I had more water than just an algae but I don't really want to carry a, a huge bladder so those hydro packs come in like two three six whatever two three four six yeah. yeah so I picked up a two and then I you know have I'll keep water in that in my pack and I'll have the algae so at least always have three liters which I guess I could uh I could get a three liter bladder but I've just never I haven't used a bladder in years so yeah I did I actually copied Frank I'd been using a four hydro pack and an algae and on this trip, I actually brought a two and a four. Um, and I left the four for camp water. And um, guys had asked, because I said I was, I had tadpoles in the water and uh, larvae and all kinds of shit. They were like, hey, do you not trust the Steripin? It's like, no, I don't trust the fucking pills because I used both. So I I put uh, aqua tabs. And just to be safe, I Steripin the water after, because uh, elk also piss in that. I mean, there's a wallow right there, like not far from it. There's a watering hole. So I just use both. That Steripin, I am a firm believer in. I use the Classic. I think you've got the Ultra. Both of those are great. The Adventure Opti is a piece of shit. Don't get that one. Um, that's the one that goes seems to always break. But I, 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 I am not a pump fan. Um, I haven't been in quite some time. I've had such good luck with that Classic that, you know, if I can use the tabs and the classic, it's not going to hurt to do both. So that's what I did. Um, as far as food goes, I had a little bit of a mixture of everything. Um, that new, that, that Biltong from Boinkies, that's a new one that we've been, that I've been using. You just, you've had it a few times, but you know, I brought that, that adapted fats. I was, I really like that. And then I just had some on it protein bars, some Bomar bars, some Quest bars, just the normal stuff. Um, I had some off-grid food, and then I had that macaroni and cheese from Fishkies or something. That was amazing tasting, but I farted so fucking nasty <laughs> that it would have brought a tear to a glass eye. It was after I ate that, my tent smelled. I thought I was going to have to burn that sleeping bag. <laughs> was I don't it know. the cheese or what was it? I don't know what it was. It tasted good, and, and I had two servings of it. So it was bad. Um, and then, uh, you know, pack-wise, I brought an ultralight frame instead of the, the duplex light just because we try to test everything. I had a Muskeg 500 uh, large and medium belt pouch on the back, and then I had the Bane pack um, on top. Um, I had uh, I was using an Outdoorsman compact medium tripod, and then uh, Zeiss 95. I had a Leupold 1600 rangefinder, and then the Zeiss 10 by 42 SFs. Um, I'm trying to think. Take the RFs this time. You took the SFs instead. Yeah, I used the same thing I did on the goat hunt. Yep, I used the SFs and then the loophole um, rangefinder. The uh, well, I kind of go back and forth from using the rangefinding Zeiss and then using the SF Zeiss and uh, the standard binoculars and then the uh, the. You know what? Um, 
Which loophole is that? I have the 1600. I'm trying to think. Riza, I got it from Riza, and I've had good luck with, with loophole uh, range finders, and I've had really good luck with that specific one. Um, so anyway, and then what else? I'm trying to think. Anything else highlight worthy? I had uh, I brought Sitka Timberline pants in and Apex pants, which was comical because those Apex pants didn't leave the pack. It was bucking cold, cold. Um, I had Hanbog Makra boots, and then um, I had a... Uh, my my base layer was a t-shirt that was from uh rock stompers from clay lancaster <laughs> it was like synthetic cotton t-shirt but uh i brought the uh apex hoodie and then i had the short sleeve kelvin pullover uh puffy jacket and then i had the waterproof puffy jacket uh to go over that i was pretty good i brought or outdoor research mittens um What's that? They got a magnet closure and i can shoot with those on the, i can fold the mitten back and have my finger tab on um, and then I brought, I didn't bring the reactor this time. I brought the MSR wind burner, I think they call it. And then a ever new cook pot, uh, just a little bit lighter. And that I had a battery, that battery pack's been money, but it weighs a metric ton. Um, I didn't bring the solar charger. It's a RAV 32,000 milliamp battery pack. That thing's got to weigh a pound, but what do you think that? Yours is just a little smaller than mine, but I bet it'll charge the iPhone eight times, maybe yeah, ten. Heavy. Yeah, super heavy. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, I know. Am I missing anything? Mm, not that I can think of. Um, um, oh, I was using a Silent Flight finger tab. Um, that uh, he's he's actually making a new tab for me. I kind of was going back and forth for a while with Bateman tabs and the Silent Flight. Um, mountain muffler bowstring. I've had super good luck with those. And uh, I'm just going through the list because people ask me, you know, gear wise or whatever. Dudley was a smart ass to ask what kind of wonder underwear I'm wearing. That's because he's soft and he probably really wants to know. <laughs> you tell him it was Ozonix or whatever. The, what yeah, is it? Hex? Hex. It's Hex, Dudley. So I'm, they I'm can't see hex. your dong. <laughs> oh, they can't feel it is what it is. <laughs> I don't, they can't sense my dong. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Toxic masculinity. No, he's always got something smarter to say. He's funny. Um, and, uh, oh, I was trying out um, uh, Black Rifle Sit, some of the black powder or single serving coffee packs. I usually use the... Uh, dark timber uh, mountain mochas which is the hot chocolate coffee and then but uh, baker had dropped off some of those uh black powder single serves and i, I tried those which are pretty dang good um and then i also brought 1.21 gigawatt pre-workout to wake my ass up <laughs> i know i've been cutting down on caffeine though i was pretty like back there when you're not when you're behind the spotter, you don't need a whole lot of energy to sit there in glass forever. So, um, oh, I had the Jim White two pan head as well. Mm. What? Uh, so this bow that that uh, South made is it a, a new bow or is it one of his bows that he customized for you? He, he customized the grip. That was the big thing. So South has made me a couple other bows that I just could not shoot that well, and I um, I had talked to him. You know, he supports us. I really like South. I've always been. He's very few people that I actually admire in the industry, and he's definitely one of them. And I talked to him. I'm like, dude, I can't. I got You got to fix the grip. I just can't shoot your grip. So Amy and I actually went up to his house, and he ground on that grip until he got it. I got to say, that bow is money. Um, I feel extremely confident, which is crazy because I have never been able to shoot South bows worth of shit. And that grip made all the difference in the world. I mean, it night and day. So 
I was pretty excited. I called South and I said, dude, this thing's a killer. And uh, I think he was as excited as I was, um, even though I ate shit and fucked it all up. That thing's all dinged up now. Like, I, you know, Frank will tell you, how many times have you seen me fall? <laughs> probably once on I, a log. Oh, yeah, I got stuck in it. You got stuck in a log is probably it. I very rarely do I fall. Like, when I say very rarely maybe once a year. Well, I had the epic, holy shit, fall of all falls going down, basically one of those shoots. The boulder, I had my left leg down and it shot out and my feet went straight in the air. And I fucking, my left, my right wrist, you know, I my hands went like this, but I had my bow, so I winged it. And that bow, you know, fucking slammed the rocks. And then I slid down probably you know, 10, 15 feet. First thing I did, I looked at the bow and I'm like, well, it's got some whiskey dents on it now. I mean, it's got dings all <laughs> over it, but it, I mean, it, you know, once I, I climbed out of the hole and I, I got up and you know that where that y- your old camp is, it's elevated. On the edge of the, the water, there's all those grassy spots, those little, you know, softball grassy. So I ranged four of them and I shot 20, 30, 40, 50, and I hit every time. And I'm like, well, it's probably got one good shot left in it. So I did that. And the next day I killed that deer. So I guess it can take a beating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about those stick bows, but I like the way Souths look out of all the ones I've seen that you had. Or, I mean, they all have their cool parts to it, but I think he makes like a pretty solid piece of art. Yeah. That bow. Um, yeah, I, I'm just happy to be able to support, you know, all these different bow companies and, and South since, you know, he's shown so much support to us. Um, and he's just a super cool guy, the fact that I can shoot the shit out of that bow. And the thing is, I like a more um, low-wrist, um, narrow, not a lot of palm swell grip. And he was able to do that, and uh, that made all the difference in the world, that, that grip. So he, it's nice because he's got a CNC machine, and so he saved that. And so he's building me a backup bow now, and he can match the grip without me showing up like he can match it exactly is he gonna make a custom line are people gonna ask for this snyder special the snyder grip i don't know (laughs) but i tell you what he's like i'm building you a badass looking backup bow that may become the primary he sent me some photos and that one i've got is pretty fucking slick it looks Um, cool yeah yeah it looks good so it's a little bit faster yeah i just told he said hey what do you think of this and i'm like hell yeah and then he built it and it came out better than i thought but this one he picked everything the backup bow which may become the the primary so it was funny that we got back from alaska and i was kind of in a slump even though i got that wolverine i'm like good god and um you know i had some trouble uh and nothing wrong with the bow i was shooting i just i don't know if all traditional archers are like this but you know you get something in your mind and i'm like man I got to get out of this funk. This is driving me crazy. And uh, it was cool to talk with South and have him get that bow together. Um, you know, made me whatever feel a little bit more confident, I guess you could say. And the damage it did on that deer was pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. But um, to answer a few questions we've had, Frank and I, some of them are kind of comical in a way. If you haven't been in the high country a lot, we got the what elevation do you glass well i can sit in one spot on the mountain and you can see deer on every elevation yeah i would say um i don't think there's a i mean probably depends on what you want you want to hunt high country well yeah glass above timberland yeah (laughs) you literally can glass north south east and west and find deer on every elevation in the morning um almost um you know there's like if you're glassing a basin you know you're, you're gonna glass the whole basin and um, yeah, even even catch those 
patches of timber. Well, think about we were glassing across that basin, and when I was going on the stock, I was blowing deer out on the exact opposite elevation on the way over there. So, you know, we're glassing, I guess that would be east-southeast, and in, uh, you know, so west-southwest, I'm blowing deer out on the way over there, and then if you looked straight to our right, which would have been west, so it would have been a the opposite elevation, so it would have been a, no, that would have been a north elevation, or no, that would have been an east elevation, that was full of deer too. Yeah, just, I'd say within reason, that glass is everything that you can, because, you know, some are going to be above timberline, some are going to be on the timberline, and some are going to be in the timber, and, you know, glass what you can see and see what you find. Yeah, and I, I would, I would have to guess that there's a lot of guys that you think you're glassing efficiently, and I'm not saying this for everyone, but it took me a long time to to learn how meticulous you have to be to pick up animals. I mean, you can know where a deer's at, go take a piss, grab something out of your tent, come back and take you 10 minutes to find something you just saw. You know what I mean? Like it can take forever. So you can glass one area for three hours and find deer the whole time that you haven't seen or lose deer and pop up. And when you get over there, you see all these nooks and crannies and you think about a human if a human's standing a thousand yards away, how much is it going to take for a human to disappear? Yeah, you can go six feet and duck behind a rock. You'll never find him. Well, deer are built to survive, so you've got to be very meticulous in your, your glassing. Um, you know, the other thing is, is fitness. It is extremely important to be as fit as you possibly can. Um, well, we were talking, and I was talking to Frank earlier. I was giving him, well, I've been giving you shit for, how long have you been doing CrossFit now? <laughs> since april april so have you i noticed a difference because when we trained and i don't know how we do training now but i would beat you by a couple hundred yards if we were hauling ass uphill 100 yards maybe i I don't is that pretty accurate yeah fuck you are crushing me up the hill now i'm not downhill i can kick shit out you going down you got bad ankles (laughs) but fitness wise um like you know it kind of and i don't know if it's because i put on a little bit of muscle or what but you know, Frank, from doing that, I mean, I would have to say you've noticed the difference in your cardio. Yeah, cardio is pretty solid right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you made it back to where I was, what, an hour and 50? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking smoking. Um, and so, you know, fitness-wise, like, you know, whatever it takes to do that, whether it be, you know, CrossFit or do more cardio or whatever, um, and I'm not saying you have to win the race to the top of the mountain, but the longevity um, most people can't handle eight, 10 days straight is I guess what I'm getting at F- physically, you know, you might get in there, but then you're stuck at camp cause you're smoked or, you know, there's also how many stocks guys won't go on cause they can't physically make it because uh, there's the reality of the deer may not be there when you get there. You may not get a shot. You may fuck up the stock and you've went that whole, you know, they're afraid to burn that energy or to go that distance. And so f- fitness is you know, it's pretty important. You know, I, I kind of make jokes about fitness just because there's a lot of people on social media that are only do fitness, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> but you got you to have the total package or try to. So not only, you know, find the animals, know where they're at, but get to them. And, you know, really any – you should be able to physically go on any applicable stock or any stock that's feasible for you to get in on, you should – probably try to go on it. Um, and a lot of guys don't cause they're physically scared. 
uh, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it's one less thing to worry about if if you're um, if you're in decent shape and you know that you can get to where the deer are, and then if you kill one or whatever, not it doesn't have to be deer, but where the animal's at, and if you kill it, you know that you'll be able to pack it out um, at least to a spot where you know you can have somebody meet up with you if you're not going to do it solo, or if you are going to do it solo, you don't have. To, it's going to suck, but if knowing that you can get it done is a one less thing to worry about a little added reassurance and um yeah you can there's a lot of factors that go in go into a successful hunt but that is something you can work out work on year round and and uh having that confidence is pretty good pretty pretty important to have yeah same with with shooting i mean you think about you know that shot that i i missed you know and i've answered this question a ton like i don't have any excuse to miss i mean it was a probably as difficult a shot as I could get just for not from distance my legs were going numb because guys were like some people you know messaged earlier on here about oh man that's crazy leaning over the cliff edge I went on the fucking cliff edge I went up over the top I was in the middle of the cliff and my ass was against the rock wall my feet were at a probably a 30 degree angle and I had to bump my ass against the rock stabilize myself with my limb tip and then make the shot but I don't have an excuse to miss I have I shoot so fucking much and I put so much effort into never having a, a situation that I can't, you know, make a decent shot in and that was one that I don't practice that shit. I mean <laughs> <laughs> and I missed, you know, my one the one opportunity I had on that that big buck, I fucked up. And so, you know, I try to, you know, equipment wise and everything else, you gotta try to put the most effort in that you know that you can. And and another thing I made a couple of smart ass comments on my Insta story using that Bane pack uh you know, how people feel that don't have load lifters. <laughs> you know, the if you don't know any better, it's one thing, but you know, the whole idea of of a pack that's fit is I can transfer the weight to as much I want on my hips or my shoulders when it's fit correctly. That makes a huge difference more than people think as far as longevity on a hunt um, and not being smoked and burnt out when you're just carrying all that weight on your shoulders, it does start to take a toll over time. And so, you know, that's another big thing that obviously, you know, being the guy running Kafaru, I'm going to preach that, but having a pack that's adjusted correctly and, and everything else is also huge for going the distance. Otherwise you smoke yourself. Footwear's the same way. I mean, you wear Salewas. What, what are those called that you wear? The green ones? Raven. Ravens. And then um, I'm wearing Hanvog Makras or Ferratas, and I've got a pair of Zamberlin 2092s that I like. And those, all those boots, you know, I don't get foot fatigue. I'm not getting – no, I did get blister on my toe, but, you know, you're not getting your foot just crushed. So all that stuff's important for longevity because you know, I went back in there and kicked the shit out of myself. And, you know, physically, if I wasn't ready, obviously, I wouldn't have been able to do what I was doing after back-to-back-to-back hunts. Yeah. Diet's important, too. I like to eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of cool going in and doing it solo though huh like I, I like hunting with friends and stuff but i also like uh getting it done by yourself because it's like you know you you versus whatever animal you're hunting and then you know you you did it all no shit that little last deer meant a lot to me and i i don't you could see the excitement it's not because of the size of the deer it was more like the odds you know what i mean like the the adventure I, I didn't have you to help, and, and no matter what anybody says, it is huge having someone with you, not even necessarily motivation, like you and I don't really ever, I wouldn't say we really need motivation to keep each other going, or I don't think at one time I've ever probably 
got you out of bed and pushed you to do anything. You're pretty fucking self-motivated and vice versa. But glassing, two sex to extra ice, and Frank can glass like a fucking hawk. That's a big one. I mean, that's huge. And then pack out, which was nice because you came and gave me a hand. Um, but, yeah, it is co- kind of cool to do that and, 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 you know, not seeing very many deer and being able to go to kill one. That that deer meant a lot to me just for the fact going back in there and getting one. Um it definitely wasn't the one I'm after, and if that one's still alive next year, it would be cool. Fucker will be eight years old. Fucker is going to die of old age before one of us kills it. But <laughs> anyhow, um, well, cool. Well, I have to say I really appreciate all the comments and everything I got on my, my Insta story and all the, uh, the the podcast is doing better than we could ever have hoped and, and all the kind words and, and even, you know, every now and then we get a dickhead. We even appreciate you guys because um, what did I say? If you don't have some haters, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't, it's, it's about a thousand to one, a lot of good comments. And we appreciate, you know, you guys letting us know that we've helped you out in some way. And, and uh, I do appreciate, I had a ton of like people messaging like encouragement stuff, which was cool on the deer hunt. So that's always good to see. Um, Frank, you got anything to add? Uh, no. All Just right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Yep. Thanks for tuning in.